You've tuned in to Naturopathic Earth Radio and Holistic Health News, where you get the latest on medical cover-ups, government malfeasance, toxins being put in our food and home, as well as sound, clean eating principles. We are here to cast a light on what the big sick care industry and its government shills don't want you to know. Don't be a slave to Big Pharma. Break free of the shackles of big food and start your journey now on a long, purposeful life. Become a citizen of Naturopathic Earth. Here's your host, A. Gregory Luna. Hello, everybody. This is A. Gregory Luna. You can call me Gregory. And welcome back to another episode of Naturopathic Earth Radio or MPE Radio. Now, when I chose the title MPE Radio, I didn't realize that it's so connected to NPR. One letter difference. Yeah, MPE Radio. So, anyways, welcome back. Today we're going to talk about natural biohacks for depression. Before we begin, you can find the article from which I am gleaning and all my other articles, recipes, and podcasts at www.naturopathicearth.com. N-A-T-U-R-O-P-A-T-H-I-C, earth.com. You can find me on Facebook at A. Gregory Luna. Friend me. I'd like to talk to you. And on Twitter at A. Gregory Luna at Naturopath Earth and on Instagram at naturopathic underscore earth. All right. I hope you guys are doing well in the summer. I hope you're getting a lot of sunlight and maybe catching up on relaxing a little. I have been teaching now for six years, so I forget that the large majority of the working population is still working in the summer and don't have these days off. But at least in the in the afternoon or evening, try to go to the pool. Now, some of you might not have a pool. Maybe you live in a neighborhood that has a pool, which would be great, or you join a club or something that has a pool, but at least go outside and get some sunlight. All right, so let's talk about depression. Let's, let's get right to it here. Because this is a very important topic. I think all of you know somebody that has at least mild to... Uh, moderate depression, if not severe clinical depression. And perhaps you suffer from this malady as well. So it is very important to talk about some natural biohacks or natural remedies that we can do for depression. Now, this episode isn't going to deal with the, let's say, essential oils or herbs. This is more of just simple biohacking, simple biohacking. But it's important because, you know, in the old days, like when Jane Austen was around, they used to call it melancholia. You know, you're melancholic. You're kind of down. And, uh, you know, you even say, see it in shows like Mad Men, which was, of course, one of my favorite shows. Uh, you know, the, the housewives back in the 50s and 60s were a little melancholic. And some of them would even get lobotomies. Lobotomies were very common in the 1930s to 70s for uh, ennui, you know, which is boredom. And for melancholia, so they just get that ice pick up into the eye socket and jam up and damage the frontal lobe. But uh, more more seriously, though, or seriously, the the typical route that we deal with, or the typical mo on how we deal with depression, is is going straight to popping the pill. I think almost all of you know that there has been a precipitous rise in antidepressants and psychotropic medications in the last. 30 to 40 years. And of course, this, the cynic, the skeptic would say that this is because Big Pharma is trying to profit off of you. Now, there have been a lot of white papers by the APA, the American Psychiatric Association, stating how they believe that deep down we all have some sort of mental illness and it's just a question of 
go into a therapist and get it diagnosed so we can be helped for it. Well, what is their version of helping us? It's going to be getting on the antidepressants and getting on the drugs and the anxiolytics and and those medications. So I, I, I've jokingly mentioned in past podcasts that if you ever go see a shrink, um, you're not leaving without a diagnosis. Okay, Even if you walk in and you don't even satisfy the criteria for, let's say, depression, the the Diagnostic Statistical Manual for Mental Health Disorders, the DSM, uh, if you ever look at that, that's kind of like the 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 Bible or, or the, the the reference guide for healthcare professionals, mental health care professionals. And there has to be a criteria. There's a criteria and you have to abide by it. So let's say for depression, I believe the last time I checked, I think there's a 10-point criteria. And you have to at least qualify for six of those things. And then some of them are you... Uh, do you have suicidal ideation? Are you eating too much, or eating too little, sleeping too much, sleeping too little? Are you do uh, you don't find enjoyment in things? And you're supposed to fulfill that criteria. Well, I mean, there there's nothing objective in the DSM. The old the old cynic says that mental health there's no blood work really for it. There's no X-rays for it, though. I mean, now they're saying that there's you can diagnose schizophrenia and MRIs. But in general, with like social, like any of the phobias, like like um, social. Uh, the social disorder, the one where you, you, you don't feel comfortable being around situations, uh, ODD, which is oppositional defiant disorder, and they have all these new ones. I mean, it's it's very tempting for the, the shrink just to say, yeah, I think you might have this, and then go, here's a prescription, come back in, in, in four months and let me know how you're doing on the, on the prescription. So it, it's not as clear-cut as, oh, look, let's check your blood, let's check your urine, you have diabetes. And that's what one of the many of the cynics would say about the problem of mental health and how we treat it is because big pharma puts so much money into the advertisements. All of you guys see these commercials all the time, or if you subscribe to a magazine, you see the, the commercials for not just the psychotropics, but for any medical malady. I mean, the big pharma is in our presence all the time. And so even when you don't think about it, as soon as you somebody tells you that, that they're depressed, what are you automatically going to tell them? You're not going to tell them to go get sunlight necessarily. You're going to tell them, well, go see a doctor. What does that mean? The doctor's going to give you a drug. And then many times with these drugs, you're going to be on them forever. Right, because you get emotionally hooked on them, just like with the insomnia drugs that I mentioned in previous podcasts, you'll get emotionally hooked on them. So here, here's the bigger issue. Because so let, let's say you're depressed and mild, moderate depression. Now, first of all, mild depression is normal. It is normal, and, and to be a human being, to be kind of down for a day, a couple days, a week, even. That is not necessarily abnormal. We have this idea, maybe because we're looking at Facebook too much, that everybody's got to be pippy, peppy, and happy, and jovial all the time, and just be happy, 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 happy. That reminds me from Zoolander, when Zoolander is getting programmed to kill the Prime Minister of Malaysia, Mustafu, uh, who is Will Ferrell. I think it's his name, Mustafa. He he plays all those those subliminal messages in his head. And there's one where he's dressed like little Bo Peep and licking a lollipop. And he goes, happy, happy. Was, we have this idea that we have to be happy all the time, which is not human. It's not human. So it's okay. So first of all, it's we gotta unlearn what we've learned. It's okay to be a little lugubrious, a little melancholic here and there. 
But here's the deal. As soon as we get we get sad, we go we go to a family doctor. Typically, we're not going to be going to a shrink because you sometimes you need a referral based on your insurance. But most of the time, we're just going to go to the family doctor, and you go, oh, and you go to the family doctor. Hello, Doctor Chant. Hello, hello, Susie. They're like, I'm kind of down. And then they'll write a prescription for some some psychotropic, some mind-altering drug. Now, we're just talking about depression, but this could be for anxiety. It could be an anxiolytic drug. It could be for an antipsychotic drug. It could be for ADD. It could be for a host of things. And the, the big issue is that though your doctor chance, your family doctor, even your OBGYN is a good doctor, they're not specialized in pharmacology. They're not. And statistically speaking, it's something like 70% of people who are on psychotropic drugs get them from their primary doctor or their OBGYN. Because a lot of women don't have a family doctor and they just go see their OBGYN and the OBGYNs are prescribing these drugs. Now, not to say that your your obstetrician's not a great doctor, but that's not their specialty. The interaction of heavy-duty pharmaceutical drugs on the mind is not their specialty. So I would say that definitely if you're considering to get on these drugs, which I don't necessarily recommend, go see an actual psychiatrist because at least they have the background. Now, their background has been formulated and, and melded, molded by big pharma curriculum at the med school and by all the, the reps that come and just their, their, whole, their whole paradigm view is going to be drug first because that's what psychiatrists do. That's their job. I mean, if it's talk therapy, you go to a psychologist. The only reason you go to a psychiatrist is to get las drogas, las drogas way. So look, and before we start talking about the natural biohacks, let me, let me just throw in the little disclaimer here. But if you're going to get on psychotropic drugs, go see a psychiatrist. Don't get them from your family doctor because they all have side effects. Now, what are some of the side effects of, of, the, of the antidepressants and the psychotropics in general? Uh, I'm just going to mention a couple, like the more well-known ones, because each one's different. And of course, if you're going to be on these drugs, I definitely recommend that you read the inserts because the inserts are crazy. I remember once I did this extra credit assignment when I used to teach the farm tech, the pharmacy technician class. And I had the kids bring in inserts, and they had to come up and read a, read the inserts, the adverse effects, uh, for extra credit. And some of these were just mind-boggling, just crazy ones. Like, I remember one, there was, there was one for, I want to say it was schizophrenia for children, which, for my, honestly, I thought that they were banned, that you can't keep, be giving uh, schizoph- uh, drugs for schizophrenic drugs for, for kids in America. Now, I know the EU is much more stringent on psychotropics being given to children. But anyways, one of the side effects was was priapism, which is a prolonged erection, like for more than three hours. I just, can you imagine that? Well, anyways, so the main side effects of the antidepressants, and this is going to be the SSRIs because those are the most, that's like the oldest, the oldest family of antidepressants. You would recognize Prozac and Paxil. Those are some of the old ones, effects are, in um, a lot of these side effects you see with a lot of the psychotropics, but you're going to have weight gain, sexual dysfunction. So perhaps you have an ejaculation, you can't ejaculate, or you might have uh, impotence or just low libido. Uh, the big ones really here are going to be the, the suicidal and homicidal ideation. Now, this is not even like some sort of conspiracy theory, guys. It really isn't. I mean, look at the inserts. The inserts say 
that beware that there is an increased chance of suicidal ideation or thinking about committing suicide when you're on these drugs. The, the, the irony, of course, is that many of the people who are taking these drugs are taking them because they're depressed and they're thinking about killing themselves. Then you're going to put them on a drug that in- actually increases their chances of suicide and homicide. The old, the old saying about all the school shooters and all the office shooters that if you look at their background, and many times this is blocked by like Adam Lanza, you look at Klebold and Dylan Harris at Columbine, a lot of these guys, if you look at their background, they were on psychotropic drugs. And you can go to YouTube, and I remember showing this to the kids a couple years ago, maybe it was during FarmTag. I found this incredible video, it was like, like seven, 10 minutes long, and it just showed it showed uh, all the examples of kids that killed themselves or committed school shootings a week or two after they were put on these these drugs. And it's a very depressing video. It's played to music, kind of like a Skrillex music. And they'll show the news clips. They'll show up like the, the yearbook picture of the kid, and it'll be like, you know, blah, blah. Chance McCoy uh, was put on Xanax. In June of 2008, a week later, he, he was found hung, you know, he hung himself in his bathroom. It's just very depressing. And I'm not saying that everyone who's on psychotropic drugs is going to kill themselves or kill other people or have weight gain or sexual dysfunction or have anxiety, which is another side effect. Because, of course, if you have anxiety, then you know what their solution is. Let's get you on Ativan or Klonopin or Xanax or one of the benzos. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that be aware. Knowledge is power, to quote Schoolhouse Rock from the 70s. It is knowledge. We should not be popping drugs in. Or honestly, it's the same thing about GMO labeling on on our food products. We have a right to know these things. Now, either they hide it from us or they hide it in plain sight, like in the inserts for all these medications, for birth control pills, for any of these drugs. Read the inserts. Please, please, please read the inserts, okay? So... Before we start with the biohacks, I just want to disclaimer here. If you have serious clinical depression, you need to get immediate attention. You need to get immediate attention. Consult a doctor for a proper diagnosis and treatment. And if any of you are on psychotropic medications, antidepressants, anxiolytics, anything, don't get off of them because you're listening to this podcast. Go talk to your healthcare provider and discuss some alternatives, because as you know, most of these drugs do have a withdrawal issue and you can't get off of them immediately. It's very harmful. Uh, I know my mom was on, um, she probably still is on Xanax and Alprazolam. I've mentioned how she, at one time, she was on eight to 10 psychotropic drugs for, for her depression. I mean, she was horrible. She was like a zombie. She was literally like a zombie. Now she's only taking, I think, one and she's very functional. My point is, please go get help if you have serious depression, okay? Because I'm not a doctor. I can't diagnose you with any of these things. I'm just giving you simple biohacks based on studies, okay? So these biohacks would help if you have, and again, this is the whole idea of integrative medicine or anything naturopathic. It's it's to use the natural remedies and the natural biohacks in concert or with the medications that you're on. Or if you're not taking any type of big pharma drugs, then this could be a first line of offense against combating your depression. So the biohacks I'm going to mention here are going to be for those who have mild to moderate depression who who want to get better, but they don't want to take big pharma drugs. 
And these also can be used by those who are on the antidepressants who want to try these things to see if they get better and maybe they can wean themselves off of the drugs, okay? So some of these are very obvious. So we're going to start with the easy ones here. So number one is going to be sleep. Sleep. There are a lot of studies showing the correlation between inadequate sleep and depression. We've talked about insomnia already on two podcasts, and um, I'm not going to spend too much time on this one. Sleep is extremely important. It gives the body time to recalibrate itself. It helps with serotonin production and melatonin, which melatonin comes from serotonin. And it's very important. As you know, like if you are sleep deprived, you're more likely to be depressed. You're more likely to be anxious. You know, your cognition declines. You, if it gets really bad, we've already talked about some of the bad things that happen when you have very, very much lack of sleep. So it's very important to get your sleep. I mentioned with catastrophizing in the last podcast, the last MPE podcast that is, that catastrophizing, of course, increases anxiety. So if you're awake in the middle of the night and you're just panicking, like, oh, they're going to put me in a home, they're going to put me in a home, they're going to have to, to admit me into a psych war, of course, that just increases your anxiety, you know, and then then you get all sad and anxious that you're you're having the insomnia. So if you have insomnia, then again, follow the biohacks I've mentioned in the two podcasts. But if you're just not getting enough sleep because you're choosing not to get enough sleep, get more sleep. And there's a lot of studies showing that the, the weekend sleeping does not compensate for the lack of sleep you're getting during the week. A lot of people only get like four hours during the week. Like, oh, I'll just sleep late on the weekends. No, no sleep for you. It does not work. It does not work. You got to get regular sleep, guys. Regular sleep. Please, 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 please. Next. Got two soup Nazi references. You think that's like the only Seinfeld episode I've seen. Avoid the standard American diet. That's going to be number two. The sad diet is full of inflammatory foods, such as refined sugar and vegetable oils. The, the body metabolizes most of these carbs into simple sugars, which then spike your insulin. We've talked about that before. And then what happens when you have a high sugar diet? You follow with the crash. Lots of times you follow with the crash and then the sleep. It's amazing how my kids could fall asleep in my class. It's just amazing. I, mean, I think some of them are narcoleptics, but just in general, kids are just, oh, it's just amazing how they could fall asleep. Yeah. So one of the things you can do is, is get off the sugar because it leads to crashing and then you feel kind of crappy and you, you can get kind of depressed on that. It just definitely affects your mood swings. But eat foods high in tryptophan. Tryptophan, if we think about with turkey and that post, post-turkey post binge, that somnolescent post-turkey binge we have on Thanksgiving. But tryptophan is one of the precursors for uh, serotonin and melatonin. So serotonin, of course, is our, our feel-good hormone. So by eating foods that are high in serotonin, they can, or high in tryptophan, it can increase your serotonin levels naturally in the gut. So foods that are high in tryptophan are going to be like eggs, lentils, which are beans, or lentils, I'm sorry, legumes, legumes, which are beans and lentils. Get some oats, meats, take a supplement if you want. You can take a good old tryptophan supplement. Number three is going to be lesser your coffee drinking. Coffee is great. I am a firm proponent of coffee, even though I per se do not drink coffee because it makes me a little too jittery. I'm more of a tea guy, which I've mentioned ad nauseum on these podcasts. But tea is great for cognition. It's great for memory. It's got polyphenols. Uh, it's great for heart health. But it it might not be good for you if you already have a, a predilection or, or a, a predisposition to to depression, uh, because it can 
affect the uptake of serotonin in the body and uh, you can get a little depressed when you're off of it, right? Like I know, for example, people who drink coffee and then they can't drink coffee for a week or two, let's say they go traveling and then they, they literally are getting the shakes and the withdrawal and they get depressed, you know? So it's really about how you take coffee. I've mentioned before that coffee's takes about 12 hours for coffee to get out of your system. So if you are going to drink coffee, definitely drink it in the morning. Don't drink it after 1 or 2 o'clock. But in general, if you have depression or mild to, mild to immediate depression, mild to moderate depression, maybe lay off the coffee. I feel like I have a cough coming again. Here we go. All right. So let's continue here. Number four is improve your microbiome. We've talked about ad infinitum, the importance of your gut health on your skin and in your mouth and especially in your intestines. Serotonin, which is the mood transmitter, neurotransmitter of the body, is made in the gut. It is made in the gut. And as we know, your gut's home to pathogenic and probiotic bacteria, and we want the latter, we want the probiotic bacteria to be in preponderance or to be stronger. And a lot of benefits that come from having a higher level probiotic bacteria in your gut, and they're not just all like, um, you know, digested, like you want to have stinky butt issues or anything like that, or it has to deal with weight gain or anything like that. Uh, there's other benefits to having a very healthy microbiome. You're not going to have like leaky gut syndrome, for example. But definitely eating foods that are high in prebiotics or probiotics will help with the serotonin production because it is produced in your gut. So the more foods that you eat that uh, optimize the production of serotonin, the better your mood will be. So, again, this goes back to the previous one about avoiding the standard American diet. Try to eat a lot of foods that are prebiotic. So this is going to be your unripened bananas, your onions, your asparagus, um, a lot of the resistant starch foods, but also just eat a lot of vegetables. You know, it's a win-win there. And increase your probiotic foods, which would be like Greek yogurt, kombucha, kefir, sauerkraut, miso, miso, and other foods like that. Number five, get some sunlight. Tons of studies showing the benefits of sunlight. Now, we know vitamin D, the hormone, the vitamin slash hormone, is made optimizely, or I guess best made by by, uh, sun exposure. So I think all of you can kind of relate to this one anecdotally. When we are in the sun, especially now in the summer, no, I mean, if, if it's 100 degrees like it is in Texas this last week, you want to like take a dip in the water first. If not, you'll be sweating. But you just feel the production of goodness coming off that skin. You could just feel your skin getting baked. And this goes back to the sunscreen one. Please try not to use sunscreen if you can. But adequate sunlight increases the production of serotonin. And it's the best way to produce vitamin D because the body... See, here's the deal. It's like There was an article I read yesterday about how... You know, are we overdosing on vitamin D supplements? The, the, the recommended daily allowance of vitamin D is 5,000. I should say it's 5,000. I think it's like 400 IU. It's ridiculously low. But in this article, it was stating that you shouldn't have more than 500, 5,000, I'm sorry, 5,000 IUs a day. Now, I pop in two 5,000s a day. I do 10,000 every day. And I was just kind of wondering, it's like, okay, well, in sunlight, like in 30 minutes of sunlight in full full sun, we're getting over 10,000 IUs. 
So are you going to tell us to stay out of sunlight next and just be only in the sun for 30 minutes? No. I mean, every doctor and any worth their weight in anything is going to tell you to get a lot of sunlight. Of course, they'll tell you to use sunscreen, but they'll tell you to get a lot of sunlight. So it's like, hmm, hmm. A lot of the RDAs for vitamins and minerals pushed by the FDA are ridiculously low. Like the vitamin C1 is ridiculously low. I... I I, I don't really pay attention a lot to what they tell us. Yeah, I really, I, not in that regard. So if it's in the summer, you really don't need to take vitamin D supplements because you should be getting enough sunlight. But if you have like a, an office job where you're going in in the morning and then you come home and you stay home and you're not getting any sunlight pretty much aside from the commute, then you should be supplementing with at least 5,000 IU, if not more. But it's, it's really up to you. But definitely get the sunlight because that increases the production of serotonin, which is your, your feel-good neurotransmitter and that's how that that's how the ssris work if you look at the the ssris which is the oldest line of antidepressants they're selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors so they help with serotonin production they help with serotonin jumping over the the cleft where two neurons meet so they help with more serotonin interacting in the body okay so let's get away from some of the outside food ones let's go to the more of the societal, social interaction ones. Number six is going to be be social. We are naturally social creatures. We are not meant to be alone all the time. Now, that being said, we are all evolutionally wired not to be living in towns of two million people either. We are kind of wired to be in clans of no more than a couple of hundred people interacting in our lifetime. So being in large towns is actually quite stressful. And even the idea of going to places where you don't know people, let's say you're walking down the street, even though no one walks down the street anymore. But let's say you go to the pool, you go to your store, and you're surrounded by all these strangers. That in itself is, is anxiolytic. And we are kind of used to knowing people or being around people that we know very well. So when we're depressed, the the instinctive thing to do is is to do what? Be alone, right? I just want to be alone. I just want to sleep all day, or I just want to eat all day, or I just want to be alone. No, 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 guys. When you are depressed, you need to get out. You need to get out, call up your friends, talk to your friends, FaceTime with your friends, meet up at a restaurant or a bar, go to a concert, get out, get out, get out. That's the Amityville Horror with it. When that, the old 70s movie where the people are getting chased out of the house because it's possessed. There, there's that voice that says, get out. You need to get out. We need to get her out. And I, I suffer from this sometimes too. Not that I, I've really had to deal with depression because I, I do a lot of these biohacks like exercise and stuff. But when I think our natural tendency is not to go out, especially like we never want to eat out alone or go to a movie by ourselves. Like, why is that? I, I, I used to do it all the time. I'd just take a crossword puzzle or a magazine and just go to some restaurant and eat by myself. But, you know, I mean, there, there is something to be said about being at home. You want to energize. If you're introverted, you get your energy from being alone. Not to, me, that, not, to, not to say that you don't like being around people. You just get your energy from being alone. And then the extroverts get their energy from being around people. But my point is, when you have your mild depression, go against your instinct and get out and talk to people and talk and be honest with them too. It, it's don't like be around people and just talk about sports. Tell them I'm feeling depressed. You know, get it out. It's cathartic. Get it out. Get it out. Get it out. Get it out. Now, connected to that is going to be avoid social media. I've mentioned this before. There's, you know, with the super precipitous. I guess precipitous is more a drop. The the super increase amount of social media in the last five 
to 10 years, especially after smartphones came out, the iPhone came out 10 years ago, that we are hooked on social media, right? We're on social media all the time. And there's numerous studies that have come out showing that the more that you're on social media, especially the more than where you're scrolling and looking at what other people are doing, the more depressed you are. And I've talked about this before because it's easy on social media to put your best foot forward, right? Your, your happiest pictures, your, the pictures where you look the best, you, you look really good looking. No one's putting their picture like right when they get out of bed or when they have their dragon breath. Everyone's all well quaffed and you know the, the lighting's perfect. And you only put your, your best stuff. You're not putting the, the, the fact that you're dealing with debt or depression or your kids are horrible or whatever that is. So you, first of all, I mean, and, and again, I, I don't want to spend too much on this. Being on social media, smartphones increases uh, hyper-stimulation. You're over-vigilant because your mind's always on. We don't have, we, we've lost this kind of idea of just sitting in silence and looking at trees and birds. But as we're flipping through the phone and texting and looking at Facebook or Instagram, we're always, we're always on. We're always on. But the bigger problem when it comes to depression is that you just start thinking, well, everyone's happier than me, I guess, in all these pictures. And then it makes you feel bad because you know what's really going on in your life, which is sometimes you're depressed, which again, it is normal. It is normal. But if you look at these pictures, you think, well, Chance is always happy. Chance looks happy with his girlfriend. Chance looks happy with his, his parents. I don't, I don't get along with my parents like Chance does. You don't know anything about Chance. You don't know what's going on really in his life. So lay off the social media. Lay off of it. Take a walk outside. Listen to podcasts. Listen to some relaxing music, sounds of nature. All right, one of the best biohacks is exercise. I just mentioned this. Numerous studies abound about the benefits of exercise. And what I'm going to say is that the big deal about exercise is just it's increased blood flow. And this is one of the reasons why exercise is great for a lot of things, for weight loss, of course. But uh, it's a great biohack in general with sleeping too, is that when you're doing cardio and lifting, both of them will increase blood flow throughout the body and increase blood flow to the brain, which will help with cognition. So there was a study that was done in 2005 in which uh, people were put on, um, they just did, there are people who were, who were, moderately depressed who didn't do any exercise at all and they did they began 30 minutes of moderate exercise five days a week and it reduced their symptoms of depression by half only after 12 weeks so i mean i think it's common sense right if you're depressed get the blood flow going get the blood flow going increased blood flow helps with dopamine the release of dopamine and endorphins. I think any of you guys who run, you know, you get the endorphin high. Or when you engage in coitus, you can get the endorphin high. I mean, you can obviously get the endorphin high by eating a donut too, but anything that brings pleasure to you. But exercise, ideally do it outside, especially in the summer. Now, I, I know some people run like at 4 p.m. in the summer in 100-degree weather. That is crazy. I mean, unless you're training, training for some, I don't know, Death Valley Ultra Marathon, which I know they exist. There's ultra marathoning. Uh, you probably don't want to be doing that. Maybe run in the morning in the summer. But if you run, you know, you're getting you're getting the nice, you're getting the sunlight with the fresh air. So it's like a double biohack for depression. Take supplements. I think a lot of you know about St. John's wort. That's been used since ancient times to treat melancholia. It's got a chemical in it called hypersin, which helps keep high levels of serotonin in the brain. 
that's probably the, the most famous uh, natural supplement. It would be to take St. John's wort. As far as I know, it, I know some people might have some minor side effects with it, but monitor your symptoms and see how, how it goes. And uh, some, some other last like, honorable mentions for depression is going to be increase your, your intake of turmeric. Turmeric has a compound in it called curcumin, and there's some studies showing that increasing your turmeric helps with serotonin. So uh, I've mentioned before, the most common place you get turmeric is going to be in curries of Asia. So if you like Thai and Indian food in particular, I have turmeric in my spices. I've mentioned in one of the articles I've written the three most important herbs and spices you should be taking right now. Turmeric's one of them. It's a great antioxidant. Uh, the one I probably have is a cheap spice one that's probably been irradiated because a lot of our spices have been irradiated, unfortunately. But I sprinkle on a lot of foods that typically you wouldn't expect to put it on. I do put on eggs, for example. Um, I just put on anything, really. It's great. Turmeric, do it. One Another one's going to be heat therapy. And let me, let me go with hydrotherapy, too, because these are kind of connected. These are kind of connected. So heat therapy... Is going to be increasing your body's temperature to about 100 degrees. I think the, the most, the easiest or the most common practical way to do this is going to be steam rooms and uh, hot tubs. I've mentioned how I am addicted to steam rooms. I love steam rooms. And unfortunately, a lot of gyms don't do steam rooms anymore. Like the newer gyms aren't building them, which is, which is such, such a shame. It is addictive. It feels so good to sweat and get your body all heated up. And one of my favorite things is... Steam rooms are funny. I mean, there's so many. Fu- I should just have a podcast on, on on weird things that happen when you're talking to naked men in a steam room. But one of my favorite things, and we won't talk about that, but one of my favorite things about steam rooms is like right when you leave, there's this cold breeze that comes over your body because your body's all wet. So maybe it has to do with condensation. I don't, I don't, I don't know much about science. But it's like, oh my God, it's like, it's like the Holy Spirit. Like think about Pentecost and the descent of the Holy Spirit and the Bible feels like this, this ghost just goes through you and you feel so cold and feel so invigorating right when you step out of the shower. It's awesome. Not a big fan of the, of the sauna. I think I don't get anything out of saunas. I could be in a sauna for 30 minutes and not sweat, but steam rooms, boom. I mean, you are sweating fast. So heat therapy and then uh, similar to that's going to be water therapy or hydrotherapy. Again, this could be steam room, but normally when I think about hydrotherapy, I'm thinking of like cold showers and, and then, uh, cryotherapy too. Cryotherapy is very faddish now. It's a big fad wherever you go. And over here in San Antonio, we even have a couple of cryotherapy clinics I've seen pop up and I've written an article about cryotherapy. So check it out if you don't know what I'm talking about, but any temperature variations, either you're going very hot or very, very cold, or even with the water therapy, the whole, the whole idea is it just increases the amount of blood that's being shunted to the core of the body, which means your, your brain's getting more blood. Now, cold showers, you should try to do, and this is what the studies I've seen show, but go down to about 69 degrees on your uh, shower. I mean, it's not that you can really measure it that well, but just go as cold as you could tolerate for about two minutes as cold as you can. Now, when I get out of the steam room, I go cold shower. Now, one of the reasons is that, especially in the summer, if I do warm water after coming out of the steam room, when I take a shower, I'm going to be leaving the shower or the locker room sweating. I'll be sweating. So I do a cold shower just to kind of counteract the, the steam room heat. 
But in general, acclimate your body to cold showers. Now, it can be relatively warm most of the shower, but then go down. Go down, guys. Get that water as cold as possible and just suck it up. Any of you like to take baths? Uh, I know Kate's a big bath person. She puts her uh, oils in the bath. Again, it's the same thing. Yeah, I guess it's to do a cold bath like athletes. You know, that's one of the ways they uh, they they rebound from their 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 injuries. So try cold baths, ice baths, but cryotherapy. You know, cryotherapy I've not personally done it, but as of yet. But uh, it's not too expensive when I've seen the prices, and I would definitely give it a shot, especially if you have the money. There's a lot of benefits to cryotherapy being shot up with that liquid nitrogen at very cold temperatures. I mean, it can get your body down like 32 degrees. It's crazy. It is crazy. But it helps with uh, aging. It helps with injuries. It helps with burning fat off of troubled spots. It's good for your cells. And so, so try it. Try cold stuff. So either really, really hot, really, really cold. Try that out. Another and last honorable mention for Biox for depression is going to be yoga. A lot of studies showing that yoga, meditation, mindfulness exercises, those are great too. So I know the ladies in the audience, some of you might be doing yoga. It's great. You know, mix it up with your workout. Do some, do some cardio, do some lifting, and then do some yoga. Even you men, not to be sexist. Uh, do, do some yoga. Yoga, I've never done it. But I understand that it's very relaxing, and I've read numerous benefits as to the, the, the not just for depression, but in general, the, the benefits to yoga. So definitely do that. So to review really fast here, some natural biohacks. It's going to be get off the staring American diet, so especially the, the sugars. Uh, sleep well. Lessen your coffee. Improve your gut health, your microbiome health, so eat more probiotic, prebiotic foods. Get a lot of sunlight, especially in the summer when it's ample with a big, that big heat ball in the sky. Be social when you're depressed. Get out, talk to people, either one-to-one or on your phones, and that means talking, not texting, kids. Avoid social media. Exercise, exercise, exercise. And, and, and not to say, I didn't even mention, just, just simple walks, guys, just movement. Move the body, shock the body. That's all you got to do. Just move the body. Just move the body. It doesn't have to be like heavy cardio. Just get that blood going. Take supplements, turmeric, heat therapy, sauna, steam rooms, cold showers, cryotherapy, yoga, meditation, mindfulness. So the last thing I want to mention is, of course, if you're suffering from severe depression, please talk to your doctor if you're contemplating getting off the medications or if you're having side effects and perhaps you just haven't told them and you think that this is something that you're just going to have to endure, it's an onus that you're going to have your whole life, is to deal with tingling or, or neuropathy or anxiety. And you think, well, this is my only option because I'm depressed and I can't get off the drugs. Either way, talk to your doctor, guys. It doesn't have to be a life sentence to be taking these psychotropic drugs forever. There are natural alternatives. Try them in consort with your drugs. Or eventually, if you get off the drugs under a doctor's supervision, and then try these. But in general, th- this this podcast is more for people who are not on psychotropic or antidepressant drugs, who just suffer from some depression. Try these, guys. Try these before getting on the medications. All right, guys. Take care. Have a great day. Bye. 
thank you for listening to NPE Radio and Holistic Health News. Visit our website at naturopathicearth.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Holistic News Now and at our Facebook page at Naturopathic Earth. Please consider a donation at patreon.com slash naturopathic earth. Buy the confessions of an obese child ebook on Amazon or Barnes & Noble Nook. Consider subscribing to our podcast. And as always, please post an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this. And remember, the core belief at NPE. Let food be thy medicine. Let nature be thy healer. Until next time. Music courtesy of Nine Inch Nails.